This is episode number 42 of the Abuse Talk podcast. Welcome to the Abuse Talk podcast. My name is Jennifer Gilmore and I turned my pain into a purpose. I'm an author and advocate for women in abusive relationships and believe that together we are louder. Each fortnight, there is a new episode on the Abuse Talk podcast featuring a series of interviews with those that work in the domestic abuse sector, getting an inside feel for what it's really like in their job role and sharing it with all of you. There's also a chance for you to join in with a conversation. By leaving a voice message, head to our website and go through Anchor. Share your thoughts. In this episode, I speak to Margaret Ball, founder of Naturally Empowered Health, and we talk about emotional eating and the link to domestic abuse. Before we get started, let's say thanks to Rockpool for being the main sponsor of Hashtag Abuse Talk. They deliver trauma-informed programmes across the UK, and you can find out more about them at rockpool.life. Hi everyone, welcome to the next episode of the Abuse Talk podcast and I am in my bedroom, hence the background of my disappearing bun. So for those of you on YouTube, you're probably wondering what is going on, but I assure you it's better than having three children around. But most importantly, I'm here with Margaret Bell and she is a transformational health coach and we're going to be talking about um, all about diet and nutrition and maybe the link to domestic abuse. Um, Margaret, has, have, we've spoken over the phone about it and it made for a really interesting discussion really, I think, um, and I would like to broaden it out onto the Twitter chat probably at some point because I don't think it's actually spoken about enough generally to do with diet so welcome margaret thank you for joining thank you thank you for having me (laughs) really excited have all already before doing this had to notice the wonder woman um background clearly you must be a wonder woman um (laughs) so tell us a bit about you then um and how you've got to become a transformational health coach yeah, I will do. Um, I'm originally from Newcastle. I moved uh, down to the northwest over 20 years ago, but I'll I'll go back uh, a bit uh, into my past. I was bullied um, around about the age of 14 for my size. Um, I hadn't really thought of it before then. Um, and it really kind of hit hard. That was the start probably of my emotional eating journey. Um, I went on a very, very drastic diet at that point, only uh, ate bread and drank water. Yes, I lost a hell of a lot of weight, but I didn't deal with what was going on in there. And around about the same time as well, my mum found out that she had lupus, which is an autoimmune disease. Um, So uh, it was around about the age of 15, 16 that I really started looking into uh, what food would be better for her um, in regards to building up a gut a bit more, dealing with what she had. Obviously, she'd never get rid of it, but dealing with what she had. So probably around about the age of 16, I started getting back on track. Uh, In my early 20s, uh, my dad died of cancer. Um, He was taken to hospital and within two weeks later, he was gone. 
Um, so it, that led me down the track of emotional eating again. Um, mm. But I actually put on weight that time. Um, I couldn't deal with the grief that was going on. And uh, I moved down to Liverpool to be with my then partner. He worked long hours. Uh, I never really saw him a great deal. Um, so I was left in the house alone with grief, uh, boredom, loneliness. Hence, uh, I turned to emotional eating and the weight just, just piled on. Uh, I would say probably around about five or six stone quite easily. Mm. Um, and I took on myself to go to um, the likes of uh, Slimming World. Right. I don't know if anyone has ever been to Slimming World, but my experience wasn't exactly brilliant. <laughs> yes, I have been. And to be fair, I've had mixed experience with it. Um, I can understand the concept but I think it for somebody who is probably I I have experience of emotional eating um, and I can get in depth with numbers and want to lower and lower it and lower it and I don't think that's necessarily the best thing to do to be honest so I've done Slimming World, Weight Watchers, I've done shake dieting, I've done like a water diet where you drink a pint of water before you eat anything. Mm-hmm. I've tried all sorts and um, I mentioned last year before, well, I think it was just before lockdown happened that this was the year I was going to get back on track because I'd sort of gone off the path again mm-hmm. and I lost a stone and a half within six weeks, which I was really happy with, probably not healthy. But with lockdown, it, it just piled back on, which I was really, um, well, nobody's going to be able to sort of deal with that very well. Um, and it is kind of like um, easy to, you know, calorie count or things mm. like that for myself in terms of if I've got something strict and I can stick to it, that'll be great. But as soon as I veer off or just go, I can't deal with this anymore because my body doesn't want to do it that way, then mm-hmm. um, it will all go down, yeah. down the drain. Um, so it's not necessarily, I don't yeah. think, um, the healthy way. And I have recently seen a lot of anti-diet coaches, which has been quite yeah. interesting, mm-hmm. but I haven't delved into anything. So I'm with you on the whole Slimming World uh, thing. <laughs> well, my experience of it wasn't the best. Um it seemed to be a bit of a name and shame kind of situation that if you didn't, this was, you know, crikey, I'm talking about over 20 years ago. So times may have changed, but my experience Why have you not lost or why have you not? Yeah. I think that still happens. It's just like, it's just like, well, there's an amount of things going on here. It's not just about losing weight and, I just couldn't get my head around the fact that some food was considered good and some food was considered, you know, mm. bad. It's just like, hang on, but that is technically healthy. Anyway, I just couldn't get my head around it. And the naming and the shaming just didn't sit with me, right? Because it just felt too much of a competition mm. more than anything else without dealing what was really going on in mm. here with me. So 
I actually went to start to see a nutrition myself um, and she really got me on the right track of looking at the food that was best for me to keep one fuller longer so I'm and energized as well so I'm less likely to go for well whatever food I'm going for whether it was I've had some weird uh crave well cravings I call them um custard <laughs> and uh rice pudding literally out of the tin <laughs> so, I, like ri- I have rice pudding when I'm poorly so. that was a couple of mine uh when I was going through the most more than likely it's a comfort thing, more than likely. But yeah, they were a couple that I, that were my go-to stuff, as well as ready-salted crisps. Yeah, crisps <laughs> so sweet and savoury. No, definitely not. Um, so went to start seeing a nutritionist and I actually started running as well, which I still do today, um, mainly because I just wasn't into I had been in the gym in the past but I didn't really want to go back to that kind of gym environment at that particular time because I'd put Mm. on a lot of weight um so I thought I'd give running a go and I joined a local running club and there was all different people in there there wasn't just the the marathon runners that you had the people at the back where I joined and I gradually work worked my way up and I'm not part of a running group anymore but I still go out at least three times a week to run because it's the way it's the way I process my thoughts it really really Mm. helps to do that if I've got a an issue or it's really helped during lockdown just to get me out of my head shall I say (laughs) no it sounds good I have been considering the couch to 5k to be honest Um, I'm not really a runner I did used to jog when I did uh, the race for lives when I was younger, but um, I suppose it's more long distance then, isn't it? Um, well, three miles is a long distance, but I was always cross country uh, running at school and things like that. So I can understand why you would say, you know, it's it, uh, somewhere where you can process your thoughts because you can't really do anything else, can you, whilst you're running? <laughs> not just remember to breathe <laughs> <Yeah. it. laughs> but um I, go, going on to when I, I hit my 40s um uh yeah actually at 40 uh I went through divorce um it was quite amicable but it was still quite a very very stressful time for me um I lost my high-powered sales job and just went plummeting into depression. Um, I'd obviously moved out of the family home as well and suicide was considered a couple of times. I'm not ashamed to say it. Um, So I did eventually go and start seeing a counsellor after some, I wouldn't say bullying, but kind of pushing by friends in the in the mm. you know in the right direction to get me going and bit by bit you know uh, I built myself up and had really a decision to make uh whether I want to go down the same route as the you know the high-powered sales job or choose something I was really much more interested in which 
was much more of a passion mm. which I chose health coaching and I chose the route of emotional eating because it had been there so yeah. many times throughout my life and that was the obvious route for me to, to choose so I'm, I'm I still study today about emotional eating because there's so many different strings to it it's not just simply to say oh I'm emotional eater you might eat because of stress you might eat for comfort you might eat for distraction you might eat you know binge eat there's so many different strings Mm. to emotional eating and as well um, when looking into the likes of abuse emotional eating is there as well because one it's quite often the only thing that you can actually control Mm. the likes of food and two it's probably quite the only way that you know you can escape Mm. I mean you know when you were talking about emotional eating I, I definitely can relate to some of the things that you've said and when we look at domestic abuse so my experience um towards the end of the relationship I was in um he he would um say things like you've got more rollbacks than Asda and mm. I was a lot slimmer than I am right now and even though that's just one statement, there's many things that factor into that, you know, like looking at me whilst I'm eating, making me feel uncomfortable. Um, and even to the point of buying me oversized clothes to wear. Um, so he would control what I would wear. And um, when I um, was in that situation, obviously I didn't see what was happening and didn't know that it was going to have a a greater impact on me so every time I walk to Asda what's the first thing I think of every time I go through Asda's doors is that um and I could just avoid it right and go to Tesco um but that would be letting him win more because and avoiding it and not trying to overcome it so my mission last year was to get my head right with my weight loss as well so that when I could go through those doors at Asda and I'm at the weight that I'm happy with I will feel empowered and I I, it's all self-confidence because if I know I'm not feeling great in myself then I'm not going to feel great going to through Asda's doors yeah but it's just not that easy it's not simple especially with um COVID I imagine a lot of people are having issues in link to old past emotional eating um, and other thing factors that come into that it's been a no kind of secret about people's habits you know drinking and takeaways and and, and everybody's sort of doing it aren't they just yeah. binging yeah. Um, and eating more so normally there'd be three meals a day but people are just eating away you know four or five meals maybe mm-hmm. or snacking um just a continuous thing so there's definitely um problems within our society at the moment with it but also for those that have been in an abusive relationship there might be a lot of um subliminal kind of messaging as well um that is ingrained in your habits and i think that is um really difficult for me to sort of deal with because I don't want to wear oversized clothes anymore (laughs) and I want to be in control of my body and my mind and my health 
but it's really difficult when it comes to that moment when I feel rubbish and I just want some chocolate or that's my go-to thing um so how uh, how how do you how are you able to help people that are experiencing you know some of the things that I've said Mm -hmm. well for the likes of um obviously we're all kind of in the same kind of situation at the moment with lockdown and we're all finding ourselves going to the fridge a lot more um ordering takers a lot more as you said and just eating a lot more and the main reason for these is one comfort eating we are missing family members um we're missing that time together so we're hunting for it in other ways and mostly it's through the likes of comfort food to kind of feel that hug Mm. obviously we're not going to get that physical hug Mm. just at the moment so what I'd really suggest at any possible time that you can get in contact with friends get in contact with family definitely do so as often as possible obviously when it comes to again reaching for that food the first thing that I say to clients and believe me it doesn't always work straight off and it'll not work 100% of the time because we're human but just take a step back for a second just ask yourself am I actually physically hungry here will this what will this food at this moment do for me Mm. yeah I'll give you that quick high but I'll also give you that very very fast low Mm. you know minutes afterwards so is it worth it Mm. I think as well so I don't know if you get this a lot or have had experience with clients um my husband is notorious for it, but the our, we've got a utility at the other side of our kitchen. So to go to the downstairs toilet, you go through the kitchen. Mm-hmm. So it's a perfect excuse, but he just will go in as he's, you know, after the toilet and he will just check the fridge, check the cupboards. And he's not even actually wanting anything to eat mm-hmm. and he will look in them and then he'll come back through to the living room and he'll, he'll have not taken anything out he's just looking in them and I always say to him there's nothing has changed in the cupboard nothing has changed in the fridge you know and I think it's become a habit Mm -hmm. and I have no idea why um other than he's just thinking maybe I should grab something I'm just wondering one if that's a man thing because yeah Mm. my partner does exactly the same often just opens the fridge and looks like it's exactly the same as it was half an hour ago I don't know what they think you're going to say find in there um (laughs) never know (laughs) as I say I think that's very much a guy thing guys if there are any watching please yeah (laughs) let us know know. um but yeah very much a habit and if it, it you know those habits take a while to form but once they are formed they take a while to stop mm-hmm. so whether or not one he wants to stop doing that if he does again just see if he can actually think of a distraction 
from going to the fridge even if it's just for 15 minutes because that's all it mm. takes 15 minutes of mental and physical distraction and then that's normally that time will pass yeah I think it's um it's really difficult isn't it so let's talk about the link to domestic abuse and um diet then because I know you were sort of thinking about doing a course or you have done a course and you've piloted it so tell us about that because I think it might resonate with you know many listeners um on this especially me I'm probably one of those people that want to do something about it yeah well I'm I'm literally looking at the moment for for charities that have funding um that have you know that do deal with ladies who have gone through domestic abuse um that are at the stage now of building themselves back up um the course that um i will be running and i've spoken to a few charities already um it really will uh, involve motivation and accountability to start off with because if you haven't got the motivation there to do it and the reason to do it because a lot of people come to me saying I I want to you know I want you to coach me to lose weight really is what what is behind that reason to lose weight start thinking about what you know is it for instance do you want to be able to play with your children not fall asleep on the sofa in the evening and be, you know, docile, not being able to get involved, that kind of thing. That I can understand. To come to me and just say that you want to lose weight, that is not the kind of motivational thing. So that's what it starts with, to find out what your motivation really is and how to get accountable. Mm. But then we move into um, the inner critic, which I don't know a human being that doesn't have an inner critic. Mm-hmm. And I think women ha- possibly have a bit of a louder one. <laughs> I, know- I would agree with that. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not a man though, so I couldn't comment. But yeah, it can be a challenge. And I think in terms of abuse, you have the abusers, the perpetrator's voice there exactly. as well. So that's an- yeah. another added um, problem there when it comes to it. So we very much go into the inner critic and dealing with that side. Um, We then go into uh, actually finding out what foods are best for that person Mm. at certain times of the day to keep them energised and keep them fuller longer so they're less likely to go for snacks. And that is tailored towards them because they they actually uh, do a four day exercise themselves to find out what foods are best for them at certain times. Right. That sounds interesting. I mean, I don't think I've I've never done anything like that before. So it sounds interesting because I assuming it's different for everybody because usually you get the whole. Well, I guess we can assume that pasta is filling for everyone right yeah (laughs) but I'm guessing it's the whole how the pasta reacts to you with your body in terms of how long it's going to last in terms of good fuel um, and things like that so no that sounds really interesting 
And most people think the likes of um, cereals and stuff like that are best for them in the morning. Mm. Not necessarily for everyone. You might find, you know, proteins better for you in the morning. Mm. And you might find that a larger meal isn't best for you at night. A larger meal might be better during the day for you. So it's finding out basically what is best for that person because... I'll tell you now, I'm not a person that really believes really in diets because really, if they worked, there wouldn't really be a diet industry. (laughs) (laughs) That is is very true, obviously. (laughs) Uh, So I'm very much believing to find out what foods are best for you Mm. because a diet normally is a one-size-fits-all. And... Also, I think in terms of, I know we've spoken about Slimming World and different um, kind of weigh-in week things, um, but I've, I've, I've heard a lot of stories of people, you know, going along, um, losing the weight rapidly and, you know, too fast, and then they get to a point where they fall back on everything and then they don't just put on the weight, they put it on and they put more a moron yeah. and I think that has happened with me throughout my life in terms of you can see that I've lost it um and then I've put it on and a bit more and then I've lost it and and not got to the same level and then put it on so it feels like a really uneven yo-yo kind of path yeah um but it's difficult isn't it because we're faced with the media Mm-hmm. um and filters out there and oh, yes. opportunities for these ridiculous um surgery and all these different things that are filling our minds mm-hmm. and then we've got maybe an abusive partner who's telling us that we're no good as well so i feel that even just as a human being we are put up against all of that and we've got to fight that mentally um, absolutely and you feel like it's a like a fight you do you do and that's another aspect um that the course goes into uh self-sabotage mm. which is exactly what you've explained there um we go into you know what self-sabotage really is which is basically on a very very basic level if you start making changes to your body your self-conscious goes into safe mode because um, it really, your self-conscious doesn't like change. And if it sees change, it tries to keep you safe. Mm. And the only way to keep you safe is basically what it's done in the past. So if you're, for, if you are, for instance, want to lead a healthier lifestyle, it's going, hang on this isn't what I'm used to, Mm. which is why a lot of people fall off the wagon Mm. because your body, best will in the world, it's doing what it's think it's right, but it's just fighting against it because it just wants to keep you safe. Yeah. I mean, you've got to feel for your body making an effort there, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's got all the best intentions. (laughs) Well, um, 
obviously it sounds like a, you know a course that's got an opportunity to make a difference in people's lives and I suspect that especially after COVID that there's going to be a nationwide need as well so not necessarily just the sector that you were focusing on yeah. um and obviously you're you've you work with probably all different kinds of um, ranges of people and different sectors as well. And I think it's been amazing hearing, you know, your story and you've been so honest and, you know, vulnerable with that. So I thank you for that. Um, how, what if there is somebody that has listened um, to you and about your course and they want to access it, is it available um or is it is it a case of having to wait <laughs> um I do actually well what I do in the meantime is um I work as a one-to-one coach mm-hmm. um so on a one-to-one basis we can really really delve deep mm-hmm. um we can really peel back the layers of emotionally and then get to the person's triggers of what is actually going on mm-hmm. um but I also have a membership as well where um, I write a workbook every month, which is available uh, to the ladies who are on my membership. They get uh, they also get a 15 minute coaching call with me each month. And we do have an ask the expert uh, session in there every month. And we've had some amazing ask the experts. We've had uh, the likes of a yoga teacher, um, EFT tapping mm-hmm. um, we've also had um, a female PT in there which she was just uh, the other month when she really really you know helped the ladies with working out at home because we're all we're all indoors stuck. that we can't <laughs> we're all stuck so and she, she really got into as well of what you can use instead of weights because the cost of weights have shot up (laughs) (laughs) because we're all locked indoors um so she went into that as well but each month we have a different ask the expert which is specifically tuned to emotional eating Hmm. no that sounds brilliant um so how can people get in touch with you or access that okay um then get in contact with me on email which is just margaret at nehhub.com and my website is nehhub.com or I do run a free Facebook group as well, which mm-hmm. is called Emotional Eating Support UK. Wow, that's fantastic. I think I'll definitely check that group out um, and have a look. Um, what I will do for anybody listening, I'm going to pop all of the information in the description of the podcast and on the YouTube video. So if you're wanting, it's just one click away. So please do have a look. And it leaves me to say a big thank you, really, uh, Margaret, for giving up your time. Um, yourself and Wonder Woman um, to talk to (laughs) us Um, and I think it is you know a really important conversation that needs to continue especially around um, you know emotional eating and also the link to that and domestic abuse I think there's more to be to be said on that as well so thank you so much and um, we look forward to seeing you on your journey as your course progresses and hopefully Um, some charities will come forward for you thank you Jennifer it's been wonderful 
Once again, a big thank you to Margaret Ball. How interesting and insightful and certainly food for thought. See what I did there? Um, You have been listening to me, Jennifer Gilmore, author of Isolation Junction and Clipped Wings. And if you haven't seen, you need to save the date for the 15th of June at 1pm UK time because myself and Vicky Robertson from Kaleidoscopic UK are holding an event online on Zoom and to share our stories of domestic abuse and how we've come about today. 